This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Brave, a next generation free web browser that focuses on ensuring your privacy and security. Take back control of your online activity and switch browsers to Brave today at brave.com/fool. That's brave.com/fool. It's Thursday, December 5th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and I am joined in studio by Motley Fool analyst Emily Flippin and Ron Gross. How are we doing this Thursday? Hey, all How right. are you, Mac? I'm good. Thanksgiving was good? Thanksgiving was good. I may have overindulged. Mm-hmm. You were overserved. There was no May. I was overserved. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, I was overserved. But I'm bouncing back. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling rested. On today's show, we are going to talk some slack. We're going to talk some five below and dollar general. But we begin with United Airlines. CEO Oscar Munoz is stepping down in May. After four years as CEO, United President Scott Kirby will become the new CEO. And we're going to talk about him because he's known for his operational savvy. Now, Emily, it has been quite the tenure for Oscar Munoz. He takes over in 2015. A month later, he has a heart attack. In 2017, there's that incident that you may remember where security officers dragged the passenger off the United flight that was oversold. Remember that? Oh, I think everybody remembers Captured on video, of course. (laughs) So, not so good. And Munoz was criticized for the way he handled that, for his lack of empathy. So, there were some issues. But business has been good for United. Growing profits, growing capacity, and a growing stock shares up more than 50% over the last four years. Anytime you get a new CEO in, and within a month they have a heart attack, you know things and maybe by the aren't way, the best. A heart transplant yes. as well, oh, not really? just a run-of-the-mill yes, heart attack. Oh, good lord! So yes. something was going on at United. You know, I think you know Munez was very. Very clearly made aware of it within his first <laughs> month there, um, and it didn't take him too long before he actually hired on Scott Kirby as president. Scott Kirby transferred from American Airlines, which was actually a big move at the time because American Airlines was the bigger airline. So Kirby making that move said one of two things: it said either he saw more opportunity in United, or more likely he saw more opportunity for promotion at United. And we see that happening now. It wasn't really an unexpected transition. A lot of the initiatives that have really helped United over the past few years were actually Kirby's initiatives. So he took over a lot of the operational expertise. And while the unfortunate incident with the doctor being dragged off the United plane was not a good look for anybody in that situation, I will say that United seems to have made some changes to the culture, made some changes to the the way that they treat their customers, the way they treat their employees, that has improved that experience. Seems to have improved that experience over time. I probably shouldn't say that on air because, you know, give United a month and they're going to be dragging somebody else off. (laughs) But as of right now, it seems like that problem's largely been solved. Yeah, I think if you're a shareholder, you, you've got to be pretty pleased with the succession plan. Kirby's really solid. This is—they're not going to lose a beat here. And you know, the airline industry will probably have to deal with some some weaker economy going forward. Labor issues. Um, the 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 Max uh, 737 Max is still an issue. United has, I think, 14 of those. Um, so there'll there'll be headwinds to deal with, and I think Kirby's the right guy to handle them. And do we have a favorite airline stock going forward? We talked about United um, being up more than fifty percent over the last four years. Is there is there a leader in the clubhouse right now? <laughs> I love talking about all my cheap discount airlines because I know everybody else 
hates them. But I'm a big fan, at least of flying spirits. Um, I know Wizz Airlines is the Hungarian, you know, budget airlines. I would say cheapo airlines. Uh, budget airlines is a nicer way to say that. Both of those are publicly traded companies, and I think great businesses because they cater to um, what is increasingly a commoditized business, and that's what airlines ultimately are selling. And um, you know, we have an employee here, Tom, from South Africa, and he mentioned how often flights are delayed in the U.S. versus South Africa because we have so many people flying. It's so much more accessible to the average person in the U.S. to fly as opposed to take a train or drive. So I feel like long term we have a business that's really not going anywhere. I agree with Ron though; it's a you know kind of cyclical business. Yeah, I don't know from a stock perspective which I like best, but I've I've always been a big fan of Southwest just the way they do things from a customer's perspective. Really, the only company that will allow me to switch my flights without hitting me with a big huge penalty. Isn't that it's wonderful? Such a pleasure. Um, that wins me loyalty. They, they they get my loyalty right there from that alone. My I, I'm with you, Ron. My only beef with Southwest is I I don't always pay to have the automatic check in. Right. But what I like to do is be there right when they oh you know right twenty four. My family makes right? fun of me like you wouldn't believe. You know, and it's so satisfying to get in the A group or the early B group, yeah. right? Well, recently for Thanksgiving, I was on it. I was on it like within a second, right when the clock changed, and I was like B forty. It's because everyone else paid for the early bird. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that tells me that the early bird is right. about to go up, right? Because it's not working. I mean, I should be rewarded for my for my you know moxie. You should for be. getting in there quick, and I wasn't. So they're they're gonna. I, I bet you. I predict that within a year or two, they raise the early bird to like what fifty bucks. It's twenty five now. Yeah, it's already kind of expensive. I yeah. feel so. If they if they jack it up, it will definitely decrease the amount of usage. I think. Okay. Well, these are the things I think about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's talk some Slack, the cloud-based messaging platform. We use it here at the Motley Fool. Slack reporting better than expected earnings after the market closed on Wednesday, but some concerns over higher than expected losses. Shares down a bit today. Emily, what do you think of Slack? Slack had a good quarter. They only lost two cents per share versus the eight cents that was expected. They also beat by ten getting million closer. in terms of revenue. Yeah, they're getting closer. They're getting closer. Getting there. Um, not quite there in terms of being a profitable business yet. And while of course there's always concerns about growing costs when you have a business that is a growth company that's scaling the way that Slack is scaling, and it is really important for them right now to just get customers. They're in that customer acquisition mode. I think the bigger concern has always just been around Microsoft Teams. I mean that within it. Itself has been a, such a hot button discussion point ever since Slack went public. Is you know, Team is rapidly catching Microsoft Teams. It's rapidly catching up with the number of, of active users on Slack. Teams just reached 20 million daily active users, and everybody's pointing to the fact that look, if you're a company, you already pay for, you likely already pay for Office 365. Microsoft Teams is free. It has all the functionality of Slack. Why don't you just use it? And it's an interesting question, but in the last quarter, Slack said there are more than 50 customers now spending more than $1 million a year for their platform, which I think says a lot about one thing, which is the inefficiency of businesses. If there is something a business can pay for that they don't need to pay for, they'll probably pay for it. I looked here at The Motley Fool, for instance. Look, we pay for Office 365, but we still use a lot of other... Office 365 can do a lot of things like like document management, right? No, we still pay for that outside. It's We don't put everything on Microsoft, even though it would be cheaper and entirely possible for us to do so. So, I have no reason to believe 
that enterprise customers would take something just because it's free. And I think that's actually an advantage for Slack. And I should clarify that I mentioned that there were some concerns over higher than expected losses. What I should have included is higher than expected losses going forward, because Emily, as you mentioned, their losses right now actually not as bad as expected. Now, you mentioned Microsoft. Ron, Slack CEO, Stuart Butterfield, says that Microsoft Teams had weak engagement and that he expects more users to migrate over to Slack. So there you go, right? It's interesting because lately, I don't know why, probably because I updated something, Teams is popping up on my computer automatically and I'm Xing it out every day. But there'll come a point in time where I'm not going to exit and I'm going to try to figure this thing out. But of course, I would need my colleagues to do oh, the same I did as that. well. Yeah. So um, two of us on the investment team, which it's me and Seth, as as you know, if you're familiar with Seth and I, you might expect um, <laughs> Seth is really trying to get us to use Microsoft Teams because he's like it's the same thing as Slack and it's free. I use the product; it's essentially the same product, but I don't see a lot of people migrating over. Okay, let's talk about the stock. Slack IPO'd back in June at around twenty six bucks a share. Stock rose more than sixty percent on its first day of trading, going over forty dollars. Today, trading around twenty. So it has lost um, all of that and then some. So, what about the stock going forward? I, I'm actually a fan of Slack. If, and maybe I'm the wrong person to have talking about this. I mean, it's clear that I, I think that it has a lot more potential moving forward than the market is pricing in right now. I think a lot of fear around both their unprofitability, they're guiding for, I think, six to seven cents loss next quarter. So, a bigger loss next quarter, in addition to rising competition, has a lot of people scared. But yeah, I just see a really, really sticky platform that has a lot of optionality still left in it. You know, it's interesting in this high tech world we live in, Slack. Just gave us the ability to boldface and italicize things. It's interesting they went they went public without. I love that feature by the way. Without without the button to click to boldface something, but now we have it and it's a game changer. Um, I actually think a lot of folks are using Slack, including us, incorrectly. I think Slack is great for quick hits, quick conversations, quick questions, quick answers. It shouldn't be used for project management, for ongoing projects. Things get lost way too easily. So, not a substitute um, for email. It is not, in my mind, for projects. Absolutely not. Okay, and and back to the bold italics. italics. What do you go with between the two? What's your favorite? <laughs> if if I have a favorite, I guess it would be bold. Really? Sometimes I feel like bold is almost too bold. I feel like italic. I feel like I can still make the emphasis. It's, it's like a bold light. Yeah, it's like I'm almost yelling. It's not quite all caps, which 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 I've been known to do inadvertently, which is like old man font. Yeah, for sure. You know, totally. But I mean, I think italics is a little smoother. You know, but no one will call me smooth. So. Bold <laughs> Is good. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk retail. Shares of five below up around five percent after the retailer reported better than expected earnings, um, but it also gave weak guidance, predicting a new round of tariffs. What do we think of five below? In and of itself, the the quarter indicates a strong business with comp sales up two point nine percent and net sales up twenty one percent. On the cost side, is is where they struggled. Um, as some other retailers have done, they are blaming tariff and other merchandise costs. They see that continuing, at least for for some time in the future. As a result, you had net income actually it kind of hit down 24% year over year. So, so not a great result there as um, due to the higher costs. They did they raised the low end of their full year fiscal 2019 guidance, which is interesting. They didn't raise the entire guidance. Um, stock trading at 40 times now though, um, after having a decent year up. 
about 20%, but over the last five years, a, a pretty strong company to, ha- to have owned. Uh, 40 times for a company like this is pretty pricey. This is not some high-tech company. Did anyone else see that they're raising their prices? It's everything's not going to be five below anymore. Yeah, yeah. What is that? They're they're testing a ten below gift shop, (laughs) which is mostly focused on toys and games. Hard to find toys and games of substance for under five dollars. I guess they want they do want to offer um, those to customers. So they're they're trying out the the ten below. We'll see how it goes. Doesn't the name hamstring them at some point, though? Oh, to that's your exactly point, exactly what I was. I mean, thinking. if you if you start You're having screwed. more and more items over five bucks, you can't call yourself five below. Although you know what, Dollar Tree, Dollar General, those stores started off as dollar stores, and now they just kind of sell everything, and everyone seems to be totally fine with it. So maybe at some point, five below will you know be just whatever your your discount retailer and be okay. They could just add an asterisk to the end of the day, <laughs> I like that, and rather than rebrand the whole thing. Or what I was thinking just. It, Along those lines, Ron, is you get rid of the E in the five and you add. No, you have to get rid of the V two, and you make it fifty below, and you give yourself like room, room to run, to grow. yeah, room to grow, fifty below. Everything's fifty bucks or less. But then maybe that doesn't have the same appeal. I don't know. I think the name's going to hurt them at some point. Maybe, but they 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 are doing well. They continue to open up stores at a pretty good clip. They opened sixty one new stores, ended the quarter with almost nine hundred, um, and and as we said, comp sales are relatively strong. So the company is doing fine. Tariffs will work their way out at some point. We had the opportunity to meet with their leadership team a couple of years ago um, in Philadelphia um, as part of an internal development program here at The Fool. And I was just blown away. Incredibly, incredibly impressive. And you know, the stock, as you mentioned, Ron, the stock over the last five years has just absolutely crushed it. So, there you go. Okay, a quick shout out to Brave, a next generation web browser pioneering a better internet with privacy by default. It begins with giving you back control over who has access to your online activity. Brave protects your privacy with a browser that stops behavioral trackers and creepy ads following you across the web. I hate those creepy ads. Brave provides faster speed and better user experience, performing up to eight times faster than other browsers, while saving you battery life and reducing data cost. Oh, yeah. Brave is free, and the setup is convenient. You can switch over to Brave and include your bookmarks with just one click. And all your Chrome extensions work on Brave, too. And if you opt into Brave's privacy-respecting ads, you get rewarded with tokens, which you can use to support your favorite content creators and access premium content. This helps give publishers back their fair share of web revenue. I was using Brave last night, and I love that feature where you can opt in to ads and get rewarded, and you really have a sense of, wow, Pretty cool. I'm, I'm pre- yes, I'm in control of this. What a concept! Yeah, I got to check that out. Yeah, it is. It's very, very cool. So yes, check Brave out. It's easy to use. Take back control of your online activity and switch browsers to Brave today at brave.com/fool. That's brave.com/fool to switch your browser to Brave. Yesterday was about big tech. Today is about us. And we close with another retailer. A good day for Dollar General shares up a bit on better than expected earnings. Ron, the best quarterly same-store sales growth in nearly five years. Dollar General also raising their full-year forecast. Yeah, 4.6% is a pretty strong number. Certainly better than than Dollar Tree, which owns Family Dollar, which we discussed last week. This is certainly the better of the two companies. Uh, the increase in both average transaction amount and customer traffic Earnings per share increased about 13%. They're aggressively opening new stores, creating private labels, adding food, health, and beauty products. The company's executing well. They did talk about tariffs as um, 
as Dollar Tree did last week to a very large extent. Dollar General, not so much. They did take it into account in their future guidance. As you said, they did raise that guidance. I think they're able to shake off the impact of tariffs much better than a company like Dollar Tree because they're a better run company. They're a more stable company. They're a stronger operating company. Um, so the impact isn't as significant, but it still um, is there. Emily, what do you think? Yeah, Dollar General is an interesting one because it's definitely, as Ron mentioned, outperformed its competitor, Dollar Tree. And it all goes back to that acquisition that Dollar Tree made of Family Dollar. Here's my problem Dollar General is putting a lot of emphasis on their new initiative, DG Fresh. Which is essentially family. You say dollar. that you as if you're skeptical. You can't say it skeptically. Yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yes. Come on, give it a shot. DG Fresh uh, is a really cool <laughs> initiative by Dollar General. That's going to really hurt their bottom line over time. No, it's it's actually kind of concerning. They they keep pointing to same store sales, and they're saying that the DG Fresh initiative, which is essentially putting more fresh produce and more grocery items and coolers into their stores, is going to increase foot traffic. And I, I, I think that's a good thing though, because well, I think for people. Who primarily rely on Dollar General? That is a that's a smart move, and maybe in the short term they take a hit, but in the long term I'm all over DG Fresh. Here's the thing: we see Family Dollar, which tried that initiative a while ago, and granted it's it's worse managed, so and their locations are arguably in worse locations, so there are some differences there. But we see that just being a horrible low margin business. What you want to be is you want to be five below. You want to kind of have a, a a good feeling associated with that. You want to take the near billion dollars they're investing to put coolers into all of their stores and invest that in things like digital initiatives instead, improving that customer experience. My problem is they lose money on these types of products, and they're doing it to increase foot traffic under the idea that when people come in, they'll purchase other things because they're coming in for milk and maybe they'll buy something else, they'll buy a shirt or whatever other junk that they see, and that will increase junk. their junk. Well, whatever other stuff they see, that will increase their same store sales. But we already saw margins shrinking this quarter. And when you put more sales and associated with the consumables, you know, these, these products that really have short shelf lives and are really low margin products, and that's a long term concern. To me, I, this is all kind of playing devil's advocate because, as as Ron and, and you mentioned, Dollar General has been a great investment over the past few years. But I just I'm kind of skeptical about this new initiative. See, but it, it feels like they're playing the long game. I mean, we see Target right. building out their groceries, and if I'm in an area where Dollar General is the only retail option I have, or it's my primary go to, then that can only be a good thing for me as a consumer. But what you're saying, Emily, is that that could really hurt the bottom line, right? Yeah, it can really hurt their bottom line. They expect it to be accretive as early as 2020. Which to me just says that they're spending a lot of money now and they're not making money on that initiative now. And you kind of see themselves pulling back inventory in a way of, of keeping their cash flows up at the same time. And that that kind of manipulation does concern me. Ron, do you have any strong thoughts on DG Fresh? I know I know you like his first album. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old school, yeah. Um, I, I think you know, it's all going to be in the execution. Um, it will be expensive up front for sure. And whether that whether that cost upfront cost returns a proper return on investment will remain to be seen. I can I can see both both sides of your story here. Um, I'm going to be intrigued to watch what happens. Okay, well played, very Thank diplomatic. You. Well, if you have any strong thoughts on DG Fresh, Dollar General, Five Below, Slack, United Airlines, um, the future of email. You can always email us at marketfoolery at fool.com, marketfoolery at fool.com. Now, Ron and Emily, it is time for the 
much celebrated or never celebrated <laughs> desert island question. Okay, you're looking at these four stocks and you have to buy one for the next five years because you're on a desert island and you really don't have a lot going on. Okay, <laughs> United, Slack, Five Below, or Dollar General? Hmm. Emily? Yeah, I'm going with Slack. I, I've I've pitched this company a couple of times. I think it's a really strong business. I think it's a really sticky business, and I think there's a lot of optionality that's still left in the platform aspect of Slack. So it's riskier, I'll say that. Uh, it's unprofitable, a lot of issues there short term, but I, I'm kind of a believer long term. Okay. I'll take the more boring side of the trade and go with five below. I, I like what they're doing. I like their execution. I think it'll continue into the future. No respect for DG Fresh. <laughs> Not today. Okay. Well, as always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Emily and Ron, thanks for joining me. Thanks, hey, Mac. Thanks for me. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. This show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Mac Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Then you're in a box of Pauline. We'll get it red, we're just busting at the scene.